Well, good to have you all here this morning. We are going to be over in the Gospel of Mark. We have some things to pray for at the end of the service. If anyone else is here, has some things to uh, you want to pray for, want to pray, be prayed over, make sure you let an usher know. We will include that as we go on with that. Mark chapter 5. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 5 today. There was a woman who went to a doctor's office, and she was seen by one of the new doctors, a young guy. And after about four minutes of conversation, she ran screaming from the room. One of the older doctors pulled her aside before she got out of the place and calmed her down, took her into a private room, kind of talked to her, you know, what happened, what's going on, what caused you to go down the hall screaming. And so she gave him the whole story, what had happened, and this made the older doctor pretty upset. So he went on over to the younger doctor who had gone into another room. He was working on a clipboard, writing some things down. And he went over to the, older, the, the younger doctor. And he said to him, Mrs. Terry is 63 years old. She has four grown children, seven grandkids. What did you think telling her she was pregnant? (laughs) Doctor didn't even look up from his clipboard and just said, does she still have the hiccups? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Yep, sometimes news comes to us. That's not always uh, pleasant, not always nice. How many have had some news that's kind of shocked you a little bit? Maybe just knocked the hiccups right out of you. You ever had that happen? Get the hiccups just knocked right out of you? We've had some people around our house have had hiccups, and I always enjoy that when they do. Gives me a reason to go and do something, and we take care of the hiccups for them. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks to give God something to work with, Today we're looking at, in particular, what can God use? What do you have? What can you do that God can use? We've looked before that God will use some of the things that you have. We looked at some of the stories that were involved, that Jesus took, some of the things that seemed to be insignificant to the need that was there with the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. We had the woman who had the oil, who had a great debt. And these things that they had seemed very small. But God says, what do you have? Always seemed like he wanted to work with something. He didn't just materialize things out often. Sometimes he did, but usually he was looking for something to work with. There were other people we went into the next week. We looked at, there were sometimes people were asked to do something. Sometimes they were asked to do something that they had already done without success. They've done it a few times. Didn't have the success before, but God said, do it again. Peter said to Jesus, we fished all night and have caught nothing. But at your word, we will let down the net. Then he goes on out and lets down the net and great fish catch. The guy with the leprosy is told to wash in the Jordan. He didn't like that a whole lot, but eventually he did it and it was honored. Whatever it is that we're asked to do very often is uh, terribly inadequate compared to the need that is there. But when we hear from God and God gives us specifics on it and we obey, he's done some great things with it. Last week, we looked at what happens when you don't have anything specific from God. You don't have something like cast your net on the other side. You don't, you don't have something that's specific for your life. We looked at Stephen, we looked at Philip, and we looked at Nicholas. They were faithful with the general commands, and uh, they were put into a place of deacon. And Stephen, of course, he soared, and the wisdom that he had in God's Word just kept growing, and people wanted to try and, put that, uh, try and quiet him down. And they came after him and killed him. Philip... Did the same thing, kept growing and growing. Eventually he became an evangelist and 
the impact of Philip was astounding. Almost the forerunner to Paul. Did tremendous things in, in that area. And then there was Nicholas, who, though he was faithful in all the things that God asked him to do up until that point, it seemed that he got off on some things. And there was a doctrine of the Nicolaitans that most believe he was the father of. And we looked at some of the things that were there. When you have your foot in on the practices of Satan, your foot in the practices of the occult, and try and walk in the things of God as well. That seemed to be what Nicholas was teaching. But here we're going to be over Mark chapter 5. Now this is the scripture, the passage of scripture everyone is familiar with. One of my absolute favorite stories in the New Testament. Absolute favorite things of uh, healing that Jesus did. Verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Well, Jairus gave Jesus something to work with here. Not a, it's kind of a short sentence, but it's something that Jesus could do something with. In verse 23, he says, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Well, we see that there was a problem. Jerry says, here's the problem. My little daughter lies at the point of death. She is sick. Here's the plan. You come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed. And here's his proclamation. And she will live. So Jarius came with a problem, a plan, and a proclamation. You don't have, most people have problems. Very few people have plans. And most, if they make a proclamation, proclamation are just declaring what it is the problem is going to become. They look at the problem and see how bad the problem is and how much worse the problem can be. But here Jarius has a problem. He acknowledges the problem. He has a plan based on faith in Jesus. And he has a proclamation. If you'll do this, if you'll come lay your hands on her, she will live. Jesus can work with that. Just one sentence. But Jesus can work with that. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him. Jesus responds to this. Put this in your outline. Faith always gets Jesus' attention. Every time faith is used, every time faith is tried, it gets Jesus' attention. He's attracted to faith. We've got to come to God in faith. Not wishing, not hoping, not coming as an, oh, complain, complain, gripe, gripe. That's not how we come to God. Faith always gets Jesus' attention. We, we could learn a lot from Jairus. He doesn't spend a whole lot of time on the problem. Most Christians spend a lot more time on the problem than they need to do. He spends about a half a sentence on it. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Doesn't talk about the disease. Doesn't talk about how long this has been going on. Doesn't talk about how much he loves her, how much his mother loves her. Doesn't talk about her life that is ahead. Just simply says, my little daughter lies at the point of death. What that tells us is Jairus believes that Jesus desires to heal people. That's a big step right there. Listen to a lot of people pray. 
They don't believe that Jesus wants to heal people. They're trying to talk him into it. They're trying to give him reasons for it. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Pretty simple. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. We got a problem? We got a plan? We got a proclamation. How many of us have problems? I think every one of us can raise our hand on that. We all have problems. We all have things that are going wrong. Things that are not quite right. There are problems everywhere. If you don't have problems, you aren't living. Go outside. Interacting with other people can be a problem. Interactions at work can be a problem. Interacting with people you don't even know. Think about your last interaction with someone who did something stupid on the highway. You can have problems all over with people. But he developed a plan through faith of how what he knew of Jesus that could take care of this. He's seen Jesus lay hands on people who were in bad shape. Or he heard of people that Jesus had laid hands on who were in bad shape. If you can come and lay hands on my daughter, I know she'll be well. I know she'll live. Faith always gets Jesus' attention. So Jesus is on his way, heading on over. Verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. How long had the daughter been sick? Well, we don't know. But probably not all that long. It may have been days, maybe weeks. But it doesn't seem like it was a lifetime disease. It was something that came upon her and got worse and worse. And now it's at the point where it might take her life. But a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She's trying to find a cure for this thing. She had gone all the places that she could, sought after all the people. You know, they had medicine, they had doctors, and they did the best that they could with what they knew. A lot of what they knew was wrong, wasn't quite right, but um, they, uh, they went ahead and they did stuff with it. There was a quote from Reagan, President Reagan, and I don't remember it exactly, but I thought it was uh, great. I actually heard uh, the replay of it from the speech that he had given, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was saying, it's not what people know, or it's not what people don't know that hurts us. It's what people think they know is right, but is wrong. Well, that was profound. He was talking about it in a political sense, but you know what? That's in a, so true in the spiritual sense. There are people out there who think they know truth, truth of God, and they're wrong. But they think they think it, and they believe it. It's the stuff that we know that's wrong that really messes with us. Not the, not the stuff that we don't know yet. That means, sure, that'll hold you back too. But the stuff that'll really hold you back in your walk with God is the stuff that you know to be true, but is actually false. How many people do you know, or maybe you were one of them, that didn't believe Jesus healed everybody or wanted to heal everybody. Didn't believe that it was God's will for all to be healed. And so we would pray, Father, if it be your will. We thought that was true. We thought that's the way that you ought to pray. Not in the Word of God. We thought for many years, many of us thought that we're supposed to pray and ask God to heal us and pray and argue with God or convince God that He needs to move on our behalf. We go through the Word of God and no one did that. They just commanded the sickness and disease to go, and it went. It's the stuff that we think we know 
that is true, but is actually false that holds us back. These doctors were doing all that they could. Probably some of the stuff they did was wrong, not right, but they did what they knew. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Probably not all these people were trying to take all her money. They were trying to help her. There might be some people out there trying to take all her money. But When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up she let, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So here we have a plan from this woman. She gave God something to work with. Jesus had plenty to work with on this one. She heard. She heard about Jesus. She heard some things about Jesus. There's this guy. He's going around laying hands on people. And the lame walk. And the deaf hear. And the blind. They receive their sight. People had some incurable diseases, were made whole. People had minor things, became well, didn't seem to matter what it was. People got well. She heard about this. We've been spending time on this before and we went through the Word of God and we saw that she heard that some people just touched his garment and were made well. And so she got this idea, well, if I just touch his garment, because I'm a unclean woman, I've got this issue of blood, so I can't approach anybody. But if I just kind of sneak into the crowd and touch his garment, I'll be healed, and then I won't be unclean anymore. So she heard about Jesus, and she believed. She formed a belief out of this. She heard about Jesus, and she believed. She formed a belief. From that belief, she had a proclamation. For she said... If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. See, it's kind of like the same thing Jarius did. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. All right, I, I've got to do something here. I've got to give God something to work with, in other words. If only I can touch his clothes, that's what I need to do. If I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And then she acted on it. She heard, she believed, she proclaimed, and she acted. So a lot of people believe in stuff, but they're not acting on it. We've got to act on some of the things that we believe in. She heard, she believed, she made a proclamation, she proclaimed, and she acted. She heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. The reason that she did that was she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, I put this in your outline. I hope you get a hold of this thing. We've we talked about this concept before, this principle before, but sometimes we can get off on it. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. It is not just taking a, a, a thing that you want and saying it over and over and over. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. That's not confession. That's not what the Word of God teaches about confessing the Word of God, about making a proclamation. It is a proclamation of what you have come to believe. Confession is a proclamation 
of what you have come to believe. How do you come to believe it? You hear the word. You hear the word. It forms a belief on the inside of you. And out of your mouth, you speak out of that belief. And you make a proclamation. Too often, Christians see something good that happens for someone else. And they say, I want that for me. And they just repeat what they heard the other person say. Well, my business will prosper. Well, I'll get a raise. Well, this. Well, then this will happen for me. Well, I'll just receive. But there's no belief in it. You need to hear the word, form a belief, and out of the belief, make a proclamation. If you do it any other way, it's not going to work. That's why a lot of folks get that uh, nickname, name it, claim it. There means, needs to be belief in there. You've got to hear the word of God. It's got to form a belief on the inside of you. Once it forms that belief, you speak out of the belief. And that's what you do. That's what we, what we have to do. You know, sometimes we have beliefs that are not founded at all. Have you ever seen somebody who's afraid of heights? And they look out at a bridge that's over some big gorge, got water running underneath, underneath of it. And they say, oh, I'm not walking out on there. Because if I go out on there, it could fall apart and I would go in the gorge. What's it based on? It's not based on anything. There's no faction. People have walked on this bridge for years. It hasn't collapsed on anybody so far. Yeah, but as soon as I get out there. Right? We're making a proclamation. We're making a proclamation based on a belief. But that belief has no founding. There's no foundation for it. We just proclaim it. Well, I think that's going to be that way. That's, that's not right. That's not how it works for God. It works for fear just fine. But it doesn't work for God that way. You need to overcome that. You need to get past it. You need to go after the things of God. You need to form a belief. And just know when you form a belief, things are going to come after that belief to try and get you to be in fear. And try and get you to leave your proclamation and go after the thing of fear. But fear's not based, fear does not have to be based on anything rational. I know if I go on that bridge, I'll fall over. You're not falling over now. Yeah, I know, but if I get on that bridge, I just know I'll fall over the edge. But you're not falling over anything right now. You're standing up just fine. Right? We have fear. I don't want to go visit the Grand Canyon because if I go on the edge, I'll fall in. How do you know? Well, people have. Yeah. Was a, my, my daughter and son-in-law were down in there. And um, they, they told me, what was the stat? How many people fall in a year? Oh, was it, I thought it was higher than that. Just six? Six or six. Just, you know, some people fall in. <laughs> of course, some of those people may have been intentional. They may have actually wanted to. To go on over. But you see, these they, they don't have to happen, but fears are based on just anything. They can be based on fact. They can be based on nothing at all. When you were little and you were afraid about the boogie monster that was underneath the bed, had you ever seen one? Had he ever shown himself? And any, any of the time that you were in the room, had the boogie monster ever shown himself? Never did. You never saw him. But you know he's there. And you are afraid. You see, when we say things based on fear, it's a piece of cake because it doesn't have to be based on anything rational. When we make a proclamation of faith, it needs to be based on the Word of God, 
on a set of beliefs that we form. Don't treat the Word of God like you do fear because it won't work. You've got to give God something to work with. These people heard about Jesus, saw some of the things were being done, came up with a plan that involved what they had seen Jesus do, what they had heard Jesus had done, what they knew he was capable of, and developed a plan that he would do it for them. And both of them made a proclamation about it. If you will come, lay your hands on my daughter, she will live. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. But it involves some hearing. It involves some meditating. They had to think on these things. They had to form a belief that's there. A lot of times, this belief is going to be contrary to the people that are around you. When we spent time on this story before, remember we were talking about the woman and how all the people that were around her were probably, and they knew she had spent all her money, were probably telling her, this Jesus guy, he's just another gimmick. You've followed other people before. You've gone great distances before to try and get healed. It didn't work. Stop putting your hope in all these things. Just live with your disease. How I many you know she was probably getting some advice like that? People were probably talking to her about these kind of things. Just like people talk to you about, no, that's not going to help. That business isn't going to grow. That job's not going to get better. Those people that are around you, you're not going to have any influence over them. They got a lot of negative things that they want to say. It's real easy to believe it because fear is a piece of cake. Things based on fear, they're easy. It is so much easier to be afraid of something than to stand up to it. It's hard to stand up to it. It's easy to be afraid of a test at school fearing you're going to fail it. It's harder to have confidence that you'll ace it. Why do you think that you're going to fail? Well, everybody else has. Well, I've always failed before. Well, I just don't seem to be able to get this stuff. Yep. What would you form a belief that you would ha- say, well, no, I can, I can overcome this. What would you believe that? What would cause you to believe that? Well, I've studied the material. Well, the Word of God says that I have the mind of Christ. Well, if I study a thing, apply myself to it, I can understand it. I have the wisdom of God working in me. It'll work. It'll go. So she said, who touched... Or, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself, verse 30, that power had gone out of him. He knew that power had gone out. Now, the, she didn't touch Jesus. She touched his clothes. And it's a, it's a robe kind of a clothes. So you know, people can touch the clothes. You don't know anything that's going on. Plus, the disciples let them know, you know, people are all around, pushing on you, thronging you over here. They're all over the place. What do you mean who touched you? Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. He knows someone touched me and accessed power. Because he felt power, healing power, go out from him. Can you imagine being that in touch with the power of God? That if somebody accessed it and you weren't even involved, you knew what happened? That's something else. Jesus was not concerned with the touching, but with the receiving. He didn't care who touched him because a whole lot of people were touching him. He cared about the receiving. All right, a whole mess of people have been touching me, but one person received something. Who did it? Who touched me and received something? He knew that healing power had gone out of him. Verse 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him, 
the whole truth. She was fearing and trembling. Why was she fearing and trembling? Fear is based on a belief that has no foundation. Doesn't need to have any kind of foundation. Maybe it has a solid foundation. Maybe not. You could be afraid of jumping into a volcano, fearing that the lava will eat you alive. It probably will. But you don't have to jump in. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was fearing. Now, this woman, her fear is based on a view that many Christians have. A lot of Christians have the same view that this woman has. Perhaps God is not wanting me to have my answer. You ever talked with a Christian who has that, that thought? Maybe God doesn't want me to have my answer. And we've got this doctrine that came out in the church. Well, that may be your cross to bear. <laughs> That's not what the mean, meaning of the word bearing a cross is at all. We've talked about that in times past. But Well, maybe it's just your cross to bear. Maybe God has a lesson He wants you to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any foundation for that in the Word of God? Can't, we don't necessarily need it to be founded in the Word of God for us to believe it, though. It sounds good. It seems to work with what I've been experiencing. I kind of like the idea of that better than anything else. So, yeah, maybe God just have a purpose for why I'm going through this, why this is happening, why this is here. God is not wanting me to have my answer. So she thought she could sneak up on Jesus, touch the hem of his garment, get healed, and escape because she really wasn't sure that Jesus wanted her to have her healing. If she was sure that Jesus wanted her to have her healing, she wouldn't have snuck up in the crowd. She would have been like Jairus. Hey, Jesus, can you stop for just a minute? I just need to touch the hem of your garment. You don't need have to do anything. I just need to touch the hem of your garment so I can get healed. Jesus probably would have said, go ahead. Go for it. He wouldn't have had any problem, but she's thinking maybe... Now, she's trying to find a roundabout way. And so she kind of got this idea from what she heard that all that has to happen is people have to touch his clothes. And he doesn't have to be involved. If I just touch his clothes, I can get healed. Oh, this will be good. So she just squeezed on in there, touched his clothes, thought she'd get away with it. Because she doesn't, she's not, she doesn't think that he doesn't want her to get healed. She's just not sure that he wants her to be healed. Now, the length of time in the problem often leads to this conclusion. When you have been in a problem for a long time, the length of time in the problem often leads to this conclusion. Have you ever had something that has affected you for a long time? Months, years, whatever it might be. It is real easy to get the idea, since it hasn't gone away, that God wants it. And so this woman, to, even though all the good stuff that's going on about this woman, she is trying to find a backdoor way to get healed and access the power of God, even though God doesn't want her to be healed or may not want her to be healed. The length of time that you are in the problem that you are can cause you to come to the conclusion that God wants you in that situation. God wants you unemployed. God wants you poor. God wants you sick. God wants you without something. God wants you with something. You can come to the conclusion that this is what God wants for you. Because this is what has been going on. 
And I'm sure over the time, you've prayed about it. I'm sure during the time, this woman has prayed about it. I'm sure she's gone to the temple, sat on down there, prayed, Oh God, take this from me. I don't want to be sick anymore. Please take this from me. Tried to convince him. Wasn't working. Then she saw Jesus. There's a way we can do this. So she is fearful that she received apart from the will of God. I think it's amazing that people can think that God will do something for you that he doesn't want to have done. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The power of God was needed to get this thing done, but God may not have wanted it to be done. We, We snuck up on it. Snuck this thing over here. I'll show God. <laughs> I don't know if they're having that idea. But um, but think about this. How many people do you know that have had a condition 5, 10, 12, 15 years? Then they have a meeting and somebody showed. And they've been saying, I think God just might, might want me to have this. I think God's trying to teach me something in this. But as soon as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so has a gift of healing, working in miracles, pitches a tent, Shows up at a civic center, shows up at a church and says, meetings are on. We're going to be laying hands on the sick. Who's there? They're there. But I thought you thought, thought that Jesus wanted you to have this. Why are you here? You see, we show up in the line. We still haven't dealt with that belief that God wants me to have it. But we show up in the line to get hands laid on. But I still have the belief that God wants me to have it. But maybe he'll change his mind. For, maybe I can get him on a good day. Maybe he, I can get in, sneak up in the line and get here. And he, oh, I, I didn't realize that was sister so-and-so. Doggone, if I knew that was her, I wouldn't have sent that. Well, what do they think God's doing? How, how powerful do they think God is? Does God really know everything? Is God really everywhere? See, you have to deal with that belief before you can get into the line to receive healing. Because if you have that belief that God wants you healed, or God wants you sick, how can you get in the same line for someone to lay hands on you and access the power of God to get you healed? You've got to give God something to work with. You can't just show up. You've got to give him something to work with. He doesn't need a whole lot. Remember, he fed 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and two fish. He doesn't need a whole lot. Jesus even said, if you have a little faith, you can move a mountain. He took a few... Loaves of bread again and some fish and fed 4,000. Took a little tiny bit of oil and filled up how many containers? God wants good things to come into your life. And if you have the belief that God doesn't want good things to come into your life, if you have the belief that some bad things are coming my way because God has a purpose in it, you have got to deal with that belief before you can get in a place of faith so that you can receive If you don't believe that God is going to bless you on your job, you can pray all you want to until you deal with that belief. God's not going to be able to do anything on your job. You may think that because of past experience that God doesn't want your business to prosper. But if you don't deal with that belief and you keep going to God in prayer, nothing's changing. You haven't dealt with the belief yet. You've got a wrong belief. A belief based on fear a belief based on unrational things, a belief based on experience, whatever it might be, you've got to get rid of that belief. You've got to deal with that. You've got to spend some time hearing the Word of God. Once you hear the Word of God, then you can go on and 
and do something with it. Get rid of that, that wrong belief out of there. I told you the story before, but when Brother Hagin was on the road, they would uh, send letters back and forth to each other. And so you send a letter one day, it's usually there the next day. And so he'd get this letter, and he got this letter one time about his daughter, had this growth on her face. What do you want me to do about it? And he, uh, this is a man who's he's already going around the country, going into churches, praying for people to be healed, laying hands on folks, seeing growths go away, fall off, lame people walk, all sorts of stuff going on. And he took that letter, and he didn't answer her. He said, I didn't answer her right away. I believe, I believe he waited two days. I don't think it was three, but it was somewhere in that neck of the woods. And he just went away, and he meditated on the Scriptures for healing. Just meditated on the Scriptures. What's the Word of God say? The nurse at her school was saying, we need to do something about it. We need to find out whether she can even be in school. And so she got this, and he just took it to, to the Word. Just meditated on the Word of God. And let the Word of God form that belief that God wanted her healed. And so he wrote back in a letter and he says, just tell her that dad said she's healed. And so she, Aretha read that to her. Dad says you're healed. So Pat said, okay, and went off. And uh, I forget uh, the end of the story, whether the growth just fell off in front of them or they just woke up and it was gone. Whatever it was, the, the growth went away. But there's a guy who already seen the power of God working, but here was a, Situation in his own life, and he said, no, we're going to take some time, read over the Word, and formulate the belief. That's why he wrote that book, God's Medicine. Put on the back part all the healing scriptures, just so you can go there and just meditate on the healing scriptures. Formulate that belief. Make sure you don't have the wrong belief in there, and then go access with God. Jarius, if you come and lay hands on my daughter, she will live. The woman with the issue of blood, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. We've talked about that before. She gave him the whole story. She went over from the beginning and covered all 12 years, how the thing started, who she saw. You know, I saw that doctor with the blue shingle out, changed it over to the red after a while, but, you know, it was the... He had that little oil stuff that you put on there. We tried that out. That wasn't working. And we went over to this doctor and he had this way of doing it. And we tried that for a little while. It looked like it was working, but then it kind of went backwards and it wasn't really doing it. We gave him the whole story. Told him all the different places, all the different things he's going on. Jerry's just sitting there saying, we got a place to go. We got a place to be. She's giving the whole story. So he got the whole story. But she was fearing and trembling. The woman's fear is based on a view that many Christians have. We said, God is not wanting me to have my answer. But God does want you to have your answer. Verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. His words are powerful. How many times do you see Jesus say this to people? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Be it unto you according to your faith. Your faith is involved. Daughter, your faith has made you well. I'm not trying to pull this thing from you. I wanted you to be healed. I think it's great. I wanted to talk to you, find out who you were, see what you got healed of. I knew you got healed. I just didn't know what you got healed of. I wanted to find out about that. But she was in fear. Is there any reason based upon Jesus' answer that she needed to have a fear? No. 
She didn't be afraid at all. It didn't stop her from being afraid. It didn't stop her from trembling. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Put this in your outline. Get this down. Oh, I hope you get this. This is one of those things that I hope you remember from today more so than anything else. Just because we have prayed does not mean we are done. Just because we have prayed does not mean we are done. You may have prayed about your situation, but it doesn't mean that you're through. This is where a lot of Christians go wrong. Well, I prayed about that already. Oh, yeah? What are you supposed to do? What's the plan of action? What are you supposed to do? Just because you prayed doesn't mean you're done. Find out from God. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to believe? What am I supposed to act on? Get into the Word of God. Study it. Meditate on it. Form a belief. Out of that belief, make a proclamation. And don't let other people talk you out of it. Stay with it. Now, verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Your daughter is dead. I mean, how? You would think there would be a little bit easier way to do this. Maybe, there, maybe they did. Maybe they actually presented the information a little easier, but we're just shortening it for the Bible. I don't know. But your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, that can affect you. That can have a, a, a very strong effect on your belief. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Here's another thing that's real important for you to understand. Don't view your request or your need as trouble. Don't, don't see that the thing that you need from God as being trouble. It's not trouble for him. What you need, he desires to fulfill. Don't look at it as trouble. Why trouble the teacher? Any, in other words, what you're doing is troubling the teacher. And since she's dead, you don't, really don't need to do this anymore. You're not troubling God with your request. But give him some faith. Give him something to work with on it. Jairus gave him something to work with and Jesus was coming not because it was trouble, because he had faith to work with. He's excited about that. Jesus always got excited about faith. Verse 36, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he didn't waste any time. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, the word, why trouble the teacher any further? Your daughter is dead. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Don't change your belief set to one based on fear. You've had a belief set based on faith. Don't change it to one based on fear. Do not be afraid, only believe. So we're paraphrasing it this way. Don't change what you believe to be based on what you fear. Keep what you believe based on what you believe, what you heard, what your faith is. That's where it needs to come from. Not fear, but faith. As soon as Jesus heard the word, you, Jarius, you give me some stuff to work with here. Don't pull it away. I've got something to work with. We're okay here. It's all right. She's dead. Okay. We, we have something to work with. Your situation got worse. 
and you believe in God, His words to you are the same way. Don't fall into fear. Stay in faith. Put this in your outline. Don't let someone else's declaration undo your proclamation. People are all the time coming over declaring stuff into your life. Oh, that's silly. Oh, God's not going to do that for you. Oh, you'll probably get laid off. Oh, people aren't going to be buying your stuff anymore. Oh, your business isn't going to prosper. Oh, the economy is going to affect you. Oh, this is going to affect you. They're always making declarations about you. But don't let, don't let it change your proclamation. Jesus is telling Jairus, you've made a faith proclamation. Don't let what other people have said change it. Don't let their fear declaration change your faith proclamation. Don't let that go on like that. I put this in your outline too. This one is important. Something said based on sight cannot undo what was stated based on faith. Something said based on sight cannot undo what was stated based on faith. Unless you let it go or become fearful. Unless you let it go or become fearful. Don't become fearful. Remember Jesus' words to Jairus? Don't be afraid. Only believe. What was the person who came and said, your daughter is dead, what's his declaration based on? What he saw. So it's not based on anything else. Jerry has made a, declaration, made a proclamation based on what he believed. What he heard about Jesus. A belief that he formed from that. Not based on sight, but based on a belief. Don't let... What someone else says based on sight, change what you say based on faith. They'll try it all the time. They'll come after you. There's a whole lot of folks. It's it's real easy to believe stuff based on sight. Jesus even said that. Thomas, you believe because you see? Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Want the blessing? Stay on that side. Stay on the side that's not on the sight side. Verse 37, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Jesus is doing things based on faith. Based on a belief. When I speak the word, this is going to change the situation. When I speak the word. When other people came and said, spoke things based on sight, what did he do? Get out of here. You don't need to be around. Get out of here. I'm not even going to let you be in. You're not even going to see it. Get out. He kicked them all out. He took the father and the mother, the child and those who were with him, Peter, James and John, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age. They were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And he said that something should be given to her to eat. I don't know. How are you going to keep this quiet? (laughs) 
get all those people outside that they're laughing at Jesus. They want to, they see her walk out. They want an explanation. I don't know how you keep this quiet. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it. Uh, Jesus, did you see the crowd outside? What happened to your daughter? Can't say. Come on, we know that she was dead and she's over here walking around. What happened to her? Can't tell you. Did Jesus lay hands on her? Did she, did, was she raised up? I can't say. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I mean, can you imagine if you were the dad, if you were the mom, you're excited. Your daughter was dead. She's now alive. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody. <laughs> really? <laughs> For what? An hour? <laughs> Maybe two, two hours? And go give her something to eat. Well, at least one thing was easy. Jesus, do not be afraid, only believe. Just because people can state the obvious does not mean they are right. A whole lot of people can be out there and they can state the obvious. They can state what seems to be. It doesn't mean that they're right. It doesn't mean that they have any, any, any substance to what they're saying at all. They may look out in the sky and they may say, looks like rain. But it doesn't mean that they're right. It doesn't mean that at all. We were looking at the, the weather one night and um, we're supposed to play hockey on Tuesday nights. We play outside. And this past Tuesday night, it was supposed to rain. It was supposed to start, I don't know, what, what time? Three or four o'clock in the afternoon, it was supposed to start raining. The week before, it was supposed to end by seven or eight o'clock. And I mean, it ended by eight o'clock. We were sweeping off the water, going out there and playing hockey. But this time, you know, I called her, I wrote everybody and says, well, it looks like, you know, it's not going to work tonight. Uh, rain's coming in. And so uh, I was watching the weather map. You ever get those weather maps on your phone? Love those things. Watching the weather map. And I watched the green cloud, you know, the green cloud on the weather map. It just engulfed our area. And we were completely surrounded by green. And not just light green, it got darker green. And I looked outside, and there was no rain. There was no rain at all, none. But we were completely enveloped in green. And, well, surely, I mean, it's going to fall. Surely it's got to, and of course, the weatherman will tell you, well, it's falling, it's just not reaching the ground. Yeah. Yeah. The only rain I care about is the stuff that reaches the ground. The stuff that happens in the air doesn't bother me. They can do that all day long all it wants to. We care about the stuff that's hitting the ground. Do you ever have that when the snow's coming? Well, the snow's falling, but it's just not reaching the ground. It doesn't bother me if it doesn't reach the ground. I don't have to shovel it. I don't have to brush it off my car. The only stuff that bothers me is the stuff that hits the ground. So we got this green and it's getting darker green. And then we moved into the third stage of darker green. And I'm looking outside. There's no rain. There's no rain. A couple of guys emailed me back. Are you sure we're not playing tonight? It says it's supposed to rain. On the map, there is rain all around us. <laughs> but there's no rain falling. By the time 8 o'clock came, we had a mix of precipitation, some snow, some ice, some rain. So, you know, it was not a good night for, for outside hockey. And so it did finally come. But we're looking. We're looking. Here it is. I can form a belief on that. We are in rain. But there was no rain. It didn't fall. Anybody else watching the weather map on that on Tuesday? I thought that was the most unusual. I've never seen us engulfed by that much green. I've seen you know, the real light green. Okay, I can understand the real light green. It's, it's, it's not falling all the way down. But we were not in the light green stuff. We were in the, the darker green stuff. And it was not down here. It didn't fall. 
Something said based on sight cannot undo what was stated based on faith. Don't let what people see affect what you believe. You form that belief and you stand with it no matter what other people say. No matter what other things come against you. Whether it be for physical healing, whether it be for your job, whether it be for your business, whatever it might be for, you hold on to that belief. Doesn't the Word of God say in Psalm 91 that a thousand may fall at your left and ten thousand at your right? But it will not come nigh you. If you go by sight, I got a thousand dead on this side. I got ten thousand dead on this side. You go by sight, I think I'm next. But the Word of God says, it shall not come near you. Give God something to work with. Give God something to work with. And then when you do, don't take it from him. Like Jairus was tempted to do. And Jesus stopped him. Don't, don't you get in fear. Stay on this believing side. You gave me something to work with. I'm working with it. Don't pull away from me. What would have happened if Jairus got into fear and pulled out from Jesus what he was working with? Jesus couldn't have done anything. You cannot pull that out. If you do, it's not, you're not getting it because God doesn't want you to have it. You're not getting it because you stopped giving God something to work with. Don't let what people see in their sight bring you into fear, take you out of belief. You don't need to go that way. Stay in the realm of faith. That takes some maintenance. That takes some doing. It takes some work on your part. Stay believing. Stay in the believing side. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for examples like we have here in Mark chapter 5 of people who formed a belief and didn't let other people talk them out of it. Who gave Jesus something to work with and he worked with it. Thank you for the things that this shows us about our God, about his will for our life. And we too, Father, want to pursue you. We too want to pursue faith and belief. We want to change our situation. We have a situation that's been going on for a long time. We need to change something. But we got to get ourselves into a place of belief based on the Word of God and rid ourselves of the belief that we have based on fear, based on things that are not founded. For those are the things that are going to hold us back. Knowledge we have that has no root, it's going to produce fear. Father, your knowledge produces faith. We thank you for it. It would be great to live in a world where everyone around us always encouraged us in our faith, always encouraged us in our walk. Didn't walk by sight, but walked by faith. Saw things through the spirit instead of in the physical. Father, most of the people that we are around don't walk this way. Most of the people that are around us are going to ridicule us when we walk this way. But we are doing these things based on belief and we can overcome. We thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So we conclude the service here today. It is our communion Sunday. Yeshers will be bringing it around to you. The juice and the bread.
representing the two parts of the communion that Jesus gave us for us. He wanted us to have a belief based on something. So he said, don't do this. Don't, don't forget to do this. Don't let it, let it go. As often as you do this, remember that Jesus' death involved two parts. First off, his body was beaten for us. And on his body was put our sickness, our disease, so that we don't have to bear it. Secondly, it was the blood that he shed. He was the lamb that was prophesied that would come, the one who would cleanse us from all sins, not just cover them up, not just postpone judgment. Now his, his blood washed us clean. And instead of having to come and bring sacrifices all the time, all we needed to do was draw on the name of the Jesus, was look to him on the cross and let his blood cleanse us from all sin. We have been cleansed, not just pardoned. We have been cleansed. It's like what was there is gone. You watch all those CSI type shows on TV. People who clean up a scene always leave something behind. They spray the stuff. They put the light on. And there's the whole thing right there. But it's not that way with the things of God. When he cleanses us, there's no trace of it. You are clean. Pure. Thank God for that. As often as we do this, we are to remember. So the Word of God tells us that before supper, Jesus took the bread in the upper room with the disciples. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread right now. Remember, his body was given for us. After supper, he took the cup. And he said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. Jesus' blood. It's poured out for you. He did it with every one of us in mind. I think that's amazing. He did it with every one of us in mind. None of us have done anything that's too wrong. They can't be fixed. He loves each one of us. God sent his son on the cross, gave his most precious thing to buy us back, to cleanse us so that his spirit could live on the inside of us and that we could dwell with him forever. Let's drink together and remember. Glory to God. As we go, as before we, before we go, we pray. Um, Susan put in a request for someone that she worked with. She said she brought her out to church here one time too. That she was having seizures. Because of that, she can't drive. Um, having a hard time with some things over at work too. Uh, they can't figure out the cause of the, the seizures. She said that she has been uh, kind of backslidden from God, not really pursuing God the way that she should, but she asked Susan to pray. And Susan prayed with her. And we can stand with that. But this is an opportunity. God uses sickness as an opportunity. Not that he gives us sickness, but people get sick. And he uses the opportunity and says, look, I love you. I'll help you with that. So let's uh, agree together that as Susan has laid hands on her already, pray for her already, that the power of God has gone out and that this one's life will be changed. And I don't have her name. Sylvia. Sylvia. You can pray for Sylvia. You can do that. Also, Tony Morris said that Ron is uh, at the point now that he is being kept sedated.
They don't expect him to be around too long. They expect him to go on to be with the Lord pretty soon. So uh, this is the time if you want to get on by there, see him, call him. But um, he is sedated. I don't think you can really call him and do too much. That's how I talk with Tony. But if uh, sometimes we're just ready to go on with God, sometimes we're ready for a fight. Let's just pray here together. Father, we just thank you for the help that you give us. We thank you, Father, that as as this one is sick, seizures coming on her body, that just doesn't need to happen. You don't want that. You didn't design that to happen. So, Father, we just thank you for the power of God that has gone out into her body for healing and that she will know it is Jesus who healed her. She's come to you and she's asked for prayer. So, Father, I thank you for the open door that you used to show your love for her, show your power. We pray also for Ron. We thank God that he's born again, pursuing you, and that he is ready to meet you. Father, I just pray right now that you just minister to him and his faith, wherever it is that he's at, and what he believes for, Father, can be his. We just thank you for that. Thank you for the help that you give to Tony to speak words of life and words of encouragement and no other kind of words. We thank you for the help with that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And Father, for many of those here, then as we're going through the story in Mark chapter 5, we're thinking, I've got a situation that kind of came on me suddenly. i got a situation that's been with me for a long time. But they need that situation to be changed. I thank you, Father, that they can follow the same pattern. They can hear from your word. And from that, build a belief. From that belief, make a proclamation. And from that proclamation, they can take action. Thank you for the help that you give us. There is nothing that is in our life that you cannot help us to navigate through and to overcome. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. One other thing to keep you in mind. Um, Job is not here today. He went to uh, boot camp yesterday. And so he's over there boot camp for nine weeks. He was telling me at the end of the service on Sunday that he was uh, heading on out. So he's going to be over there doing, doing that. So be praying for him because, you know, boot camp's not easy. <laughs> and no matter... No matter where you are, what your kind of shape you're in, that's a, that's a tough spot. But that's, he wanted to go into the military, and so he's going to be heading over into that direction. And, um, his, okay, <laughs> I thought you had something to, to add to that. And, and Joy is um, uh, still going to be around here, so you need to be praying for her too. Did you have something to add on to that? No. Uh, What's it? Oh, okay. So he's, he's, he's doing what day? This coming Saturday. Uh, Mercy's uncle is going to be laid to rest. We're going to be burying him then. So that will go on. So you need to pray for the family because that's, you know, it, it's it's always a tough time. But then that, that final time when you go through the funeral and you put them in the ground and yeah, it's just tough. So be praying for. for I don't know what her name is yet. O K O N Ocon. All right, you can be praying for her and for the family that, that's there too. If uh, some of you folks have been making some contributions to this, we'll be sending this on over to them so that they. Uh, uh, and I know other people around there are helping out as well. But uh, bring whatever you'd like to to put into there, and we'll, we'll send that on over there to them.
and have that. But Saturday, be praying for that. I imagine, well, time, time zone is, is different. They're about six hours. Oh, I was thinking it was more than that. Six hours ahead? All right, so probably for us it's going to be like Saturday morning for them to be Saturday afternoon. All right, so somewhere around Saturday morning, we've been praying for, for all that. I'm afraid, afraid for the whole day. I mean, after the thing's over, it's over tough too. You come on home, you've been around with people, you, you know what that's, that can be like. That's it. Let's just pray for them right now. Father, we just lift up that family to you. I thank you for the faith that they have in you and the way that they can look to you in this situation. Father, this is not something that you planned, anything that you desired, anything that you wanted to have happen. But we live in an imperfect world. We live where sin abounds. Father, I thank you that you will take what is meant for destruction and you'll turn this around. You'll bring this family through and you'll help them get into a new direction and a new place. Father, we thank you for the help that you give. I thank you for those that are followers after you, that are around them, that are helping them, encouraging them, doing all that they can. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. It's good to, a good thing to know. All right. Well, bless some folks before you...